0: Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And
1: I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we will give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let's get on with the show. Coming up in today's show, we have a very special guest with us, who will be helping us to take a deep dive into the world of aviation taxes and whether these can really help to make flying greener.
1: Thomas Jeremy Hayden Lefevre is a simple flying journalist, global nomad, student in air transport management at Cranfield University, and to be fair, one of the biggest aviation brains that we know. Thomas, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Joanna. Thanks for having me.
1: So, we're going to take a deep dive into the world of taxes today, and this might sound like a very dry topic that's not very exciting, but To be fair, aviation taxes really have the ability to shape the future of the way we travel around the world. So, one thing we wanted to look at to begin with is what are the taxes that are applied to aviation? So, most of us will be familiar with APD, particularly here in the UK where we have one of the highest rates of air passenger duty in the world. There's also things like VAT, carbon tax, Um, I had a look this morning at the uh, Airlines for America website and found that there are no less than 17 different types of tax levied on airlines in the US. So, 10 of those are from the FAA, five are from the Department of Homeland Security. There's also one for environmental protection and there's another one for local airport projects. Now, obviously, not all of these taxes will be applicable to every single flight. Um, and they really range quite wildly in, in the value as well. You know, there's, there's some, uh, for example, the fuel tax in the US is just 4.3 cents, whereas um, the international departure tax is as high as $18.90. Some of these have a clear purpose. So, for example, airport improvements, um, you can see why there would need to be some money put in for that, for, for airlines that are using that facility. So, others are less clear, Um, what is the purpose of these taxes and what is it we're trying to do? Thomas, do you have any advice to give on that?
2: Yeah, I think um, the simple answer to that is it depends. I think taxes generally have a twofold impact. One of them is to redistribute wealth, which is to pay for basic things that we all need and uh, go into government funds. The other one is also to change consumer behaviours. So I think the first and most basic principle is that taxes raise government revenues for public services. Think education, health in some countries, defense, security, essentially things we all need as part of society. Uh, I think the second aspect of that, uh, which is particularly present in socially mined democracies, most European nations, for example, is that uh, taxation can be used to redistribute wealth uh, through social programs such as social security. However, those programs are applied um, in various ways in ver- various countries. And then thirdly, which I think is, has to be noted in the case of aviation, is um, taxation can also be a, a way to change consumer behaviors. And the most prominent example of that is, of course, alcohol and tobacco, as many governments attempt to change the price of the goods as a means to decrease demand and inter consumption of what some countries consider sin, hence the term a sin tax.
1: Uh-huh. Interesting. And uh, in terms of aviation, you know, there seem to be an awful lot of taxes. And obviously, some of these are to raise, like you say, raise revenue for specific projects. But why are we, you know, I think the one that we're really sort of driving at here is this new kind of eco tax, carbon tax, um, the idea that we're going to take money off airlines to improve the environment is, you know, is that something that's going to work?
2: I think um, that's something that in theory can work in some regards, but there's a lot of caveats and there's a lot of societal and economic cost to that. So I think the idea behind environmental taxes, there's two basic principles. One of them is that we can take taxes and utilize the syntax theory, which is tax people out of flying and push them towards less, uh, perhaps environmentally damaging modes of the transportation. Or the other way is to take uh, the tax money and uh, put it towards green projects or to subsidizing research. Um, In the aviation industry in Europe, we generally see the former and not the latter. That is taxation being used either as a form of wealth creation or a form of wealth distribution, redistribution. And we don't see taxation being utilized uh, towards programs uh, such as subsidizing aviation fuels or um, reforestation projects. And I think that's a point of contention for many airlines and the airline community as Thomas Boone and I might have seen at the A4E Summit in Brussels just last March.
0: So, I mean, there's a clear lack of unification in aviation taxes at the moment because you can say go to the UK and a passenger can be charged up to 170 uh, euros for each departure whereas in Germany that's up to 42 euros and Austria for example is 1750 euros Um these figures may have changed um, <laughs> but um, I mean why what is the point of um, each country giving a different tax rate? Because obviously it adds some form of um, competition between the airlines, if that makes sense, because Air France has this on the majority of their tickets, whereas British Airways has this on the majority of their tickets.
2: I think fundamentally that comes to government policy, but also government realities. So if we look in Europe, I think we can say that the government realities are broadly similar. If we look at uh, geography, such, uh, developing nations such as uh, ones in Africa, taxation, aviation taxation is significantly higher. For example, I took a look at a flight between Brussels and Abidjan in the Ivory Coast, a direct flight in a few weeks, and it costs uh, €753. Euro. Of that, almost €88 euro of Ivory Coast taxes are levied, which represents a staggering 11.6% of the total price of the ticket. So in the case of developing countries where aviation taxes are particularly high, um, and Ivory Coast is certainly no exception, you know, countries such as Nigeria, Ke- Kenya, and Senegal charge no less than 45 euro per international pa- passenger in various taxes and levies. Um, the reason for that from a taxation and a government perspective is somewhat understandable for many of these nations have a low tax to GDP ratio and need to raise uh, funds even when a larger percent of the population lives below the poverty line. Airline travel and travelers, on the other hand, are considered luxury and uh, relatively wealthy compared to the national peers. Um, So, in the eyes of the government, passengers are perceived as a source of income extraction, if you want. But of course, as I've alluded to before, uh, this has negative consequences for the broader economy.
1: So, in practice, you know, I'm guessing that if we're considering, for example, the green taxes that are are being mulled over in many European countries, what they're looking to do is discourage people from flying when there is an alternative form of transport arrangement, um, but I don't know how much that actually works. I mean, if we look, um, for example, in the in the Netherlands. Um, there are absolute capacity at Schiphol Airport, you know, there's, there is no expansion. There's something called the Alders Agreement in place, which means they cannot expand expand anymore at that airport. There is a second airport coming online at Lelystad, but that is delayed. Um, we're hoping for a launch at some point this year, maybe. Um but IATA did a study on this and they showed that if the Netherlands does implement the tax, they the country would be looking at a loss of up to 84,000 jobs. You know, that's just insane. When aviation apparently is worth some 24 billion to the Dutch economy, why would they want to make it less competitive? You know, does it actually stop people flying?
2: I think that, again, this depends. It's a very tricky question. Um, for example, as I noted in a Simple Flying article I wrote uh, on taxation back in September, between the introduction of the air passenger duty in the UK in 90, 1994 and 2017, passenger numbers increased 138.7%. Um, now, of course, it's hard to know the <laughs> so counterfactual. So it had no
1: effect at all? Well, it's hard to know the yeah. counterfactual,
2: right? <laughs> so, i.e., what passenger growth would have been between 94 and 2017 without the air passenger duty. Um, sure. But I think it goes into general policies and politics within a, within a member state or within a nation state and a societal objective. But politicians, of course, have to be very wary of what um, ec- economists would consider to be deadweight losses, losses to society um, from, the, from the presence of attacks. And in this case, it could be jobs, it could be consumer welfare, it could be opportunities, and it could be broader industry uh, development in the future.
1: Sure. And I know one of the big things being pushed for in Europe at the moment is this jet fuel tax. Um, because for, from a very old agreement, it is not subject to the same taxes that most people would pay on, you know, fuel for their car or whatever else. Um and they they ran a sort of model or a test at 33 cents per litre tax being levied on European airlines. And they, they reckoned that would raise twenty-seven billion for the European economy each year. Um that ticket prices would go up by some 10% and that passengers would go down by 11%, um, which clearly would result in an emissions uh, drop of also 11%. But You know, I don't necessarily think that that modelling is based on fact. You know, I think, you know, if people need to fly, they're going to fly and not necessarily making flying prohibitively expensive. I don't think that's the answer to climate change. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on that, Thomas?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And I also think that the logic that you know a one-for-one one relation between passenger numbers and CO2 is perhaps a flawed one, because if we take a plane uh, with 189 seats, you know, one that would fly within Europe, if it's filled with 189 seats, then you have X carbon emissions for that flight per, and X carbon emissions per passenger. If you still fly the same plane with 160 seats filled because you've outpriced um, few, 10% whatever, 10% of ten percent or ten or twenty percent of consumers doesn't necessarily mean that your carbon emissions are going to go down by that relative by that percentage. There's not necessarily a one for one relationship. So I think that logic is flawed. I think governments need to realize that, and I think stakeholders have brought that point up uh, repeatedly.
1: Yeah, sure. And I think one of the biggest bugbears within the industry is how these taxes get spent. Um, You know, I I was at another IATA event um, at the Wings of Change last year. And I listened to Carsten Sfor, who is obviously the CEO of Lufthansa, and he said that Germany's proposed doubling of aviation taxes, well, he was he was very derogatory about it. Let's put it that way. Um, currently, it raises about 1.2 billion for the German economy. The issue that he's got is not with the taxes and not even with the proposed doubling of their taxes. It's where the money gets spent. And the money just seems to go into the, the public pot. And it Gets distributed along with all the other tax money. He says that the money should go to the industry, that it should go towards developing sustainable aviation fuels, and you know other things like that. I also, at the same event, listened to Ben Smith, who is the CEO of the Air France KLM Group, and he was speaking about the Air the, the France proposed eco tax, which is due to come in next year. Um, And that, again, is going to raise about $108 that's going to go, apparently, into the rail companies. I mean, how is that fair to take money off an airline and give it to their competitors? So, um, you know, I think this is the big issue. Should this money be going back into the industry?
2: You're completely right in saying that these taxes go in different places. Um, so, as you mentioned before, uh, VAT is generally not uh, applied to international aviation travel, thanks to uh, uh, articles in the Chicago Agreement in 1944, and has generally hitherto not been uh, applied to aviation fuel, but there is discussion about that. And the legality of that is, prob- it can probably work, it could probably happen. Um, and you're completely right, though. Many taxes go to different places, so the air passenger duty does not go towards um, Aviation-related uh, projects. It does not go to infrastructure projects. It goes straight to the general fund. Um, in France, they have a solidarity tax, which was uh, ex- which was introduced by President Chirac, and it ranges from a euro a, pound, a euro thirteen to a staggering forty five euro per ticket, depending on the class of travel and the distance and the objective of the fund is to aid projects in developing nations. Now, of course, a Euro thir- 13 is not much on the price of any ticket, um, but I think the notion that you know, air passengers should be paying for um, developing proje- uh, development projects in, in countries perhaps far away from France is a contentious one nonetheless. Um, and of course, the industry has a perception, and perhaps rightfully so, that these taxes and levies should go straight back to the industry and support the industry in the high, in subsidizing the cost uh the high costs associated with decarbonization such as you mentioned uh sustainable aviation fuels or the implementation of uh, of electric aircraft
1: absolutely tom what do you think about um green taxes? Do they work?
0: Well, personally, I think that calling them green taxes in itself is a problem because um, I think my favourite quote comes from IAG's Willie Walsh, um, who consistently mentions that... um, The UKAPD was originally implemented for environmental reasons, but um, and he was very clear on this recently in Brussels. He was saying that not a single penny of that so far has been spent on environmental initiatives, Um, and it's just crazy that all of this money is being spent um, for like again touching on the point of um, that Thomas raised earlier about. Taxes um, being more sort of to shame people out of flying. Um, it's understandable on like a route, say, from um, Frankfurt to Berlin or Frankfurt to Munich. You could do that on the train. That's not the end of the world. It's three or four hours. When I went to Brussels, I took the train because four hours, it's doable. But somebody rightly said on um, in the comments on simple flying, if they need to get from Dublin to Paris, there's no reasonable way to do that without flying, because there's no uh, land connection between Dublin and the UK. So you'd need to get a ferry, then you'd need to change onto a train to London, and then you'd need to change onto a train to uh, Paris. And even though the straight line distance isn't necessarily that long, when you actually take in the geographical constraints of these things, flying is inevitable in some cases.
1: Yeah, you'd be traveling for like two days Mm. (laughs) just to get to one meeting. And, you know, in the UK, I think we're acutely aware of how much the high level of air passenger duty does cripple our airlines. And, Mm. you know, this was a big bone of contention in the recent um, Flybe bankruptcy. Mm. Um, You know, that was the first thing the government did when Flybe kind of put up their hands and said, we're in real trouble here, was give them a break on paying APD. Um, Flybe obviously operated a lot of routes within the UK, you know, from north to south and east to west. And this meant it was paying the APD at both ends, whereas airlines flying internationally or across to Europe, they just pay it when they depart and then pay it again on a separate flight when they come back. So, Mm. you know, it seemed like an enormous amount of burden and definitely a contributing factor to Flybe's demise. You know, is it making aviation in general less competitive?
0: Um, Well, I think... In the UK, it's um, an interesting one because obviously we have very good rail connections in the UK. Um, for example, I've um, been to Edinburgh God knows how many times and I've flown one time and taken the train every other time because it's it's not um, a difficult thing. But obviously, um, in some cases, it is um, like in Germany, for example, they're trying to up um, taxes on aviation and bring down taxes on uh, trains to um, try and shovel everyone across. Um, and yeah, so on domestic routes such as, say, Frankfurt to Hamburg, I totally get that because um, you don't need to fly. The only reason that you I'd ever choose to fly such a route was to connect onto a, another flight, you know. But even in Germany, we have this great rail and fly scheme where. Um, Probably for less than the cost of the connecting flight, you can get a ticket from pretty much anywhere in Germany to take the train to the airport and then jump onto your flight. And I mean, even when I'm at Frankfurt Airport, you see flights that have, um, not flights, but um, on the departure board, you see trains um, with a Lufthansa code on them so um
1: that's really I, I, cool it, so you can is, literally but... <laughs> book a ticket right through with your train yeah. as well that's cool. yeah and
0: it's not just lufthansa i mean like many airlines offer this including qatar i wrote about recently um in germany and i think sort of i think the well it's interesting because i did write my dissertation on um the difference between trains and planes on short-haul uh routes and there is sort of a cutoff line, um, which, un- <laughs> embarrassingly, I can't remember off the top of my head without looking <laughs> at it. Um, but like routes, say like Paris to Lyon, um, I crunched all of the numbers and I found there is no conceivable way, um, no conceivable scenario where it's quicker to fly from Paris to Lyon than taking the train when you take into account things like security and the fact that the airport isn't in the city centre, whereas trains go from city centre to. C- city centre, typically. Um,
1: Absolutely. So, I feel like
0: I've gone on a real tangent about Planes for Trains (laughs) here. um, No, I
1: think it's a fair point. You know, when we're talking about taxation and where the money goes, you know, but...
0: I think it would be a really good idea rather than just having a sort of flat... Um, flat scheme, say every flight gets this, you should actually look at, say, different factors. Like, And it gets complicated, but you should look at different factors like the time taken and the distance because there would be an argument for putting a big tax on something like Paris to Lyon, where there's um, no benefit to flying. But whereas, say, from Dublin to Paris, for example, you have no option there really no but to fly. There is no alternative.
1: Yeah. But that's not what's happening in practice, is it? Because what we typically see is the longer the flight, the higher the tax. So, you know, is there maybe a case for rethinking the way taxes are done? I think that's a great idea, Tom. You know, uh, off you go to the European Commission and tell them all about (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a great idea. But I also think that no one would want to listen to it because, uh, (laughs) well.
2: I think you have a point there, Tom, because, you know, I think we can't forget that taxes raise significant revenue for governments. I mean, in the UK, for example, the APD raised £3.4 billion. In 2017, 2018 for the government, representing 0.45% of government revenues during that time. Wow,
1: that's that's a big number.
2: If you want to tell politicians to decrease the taxes, they have an incentive, if perhaps even not an obligation to their citizens and the services that they, 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 they purport to offer. To not decrease those taxes, so I think it's really about finding a balance between that and finding a way where the benefits for all parties can be are found to be mutually agreeable
0: and I think that's going to be a very difficult task
1: <laughs> absolutely so I mean where are we going with this you know in terms of the fact that taxation is being um, touted as the the mechanism by which we make flying greener, how is that going to work? Is it is it ever going to work, or is there something else we should be doing?
2: I think if you want to work, you need to look at you need to tax it a lot more than what we have been doing. Um, at least that's the theory, right? If you want to tax people out in let's use developed European nations for example, out of flying, you need to tax it to a point where it's no longer reasonable for them to to fly. Now. If you do that, you're going to have a lot of deadweight loss. You're going to have a huge economic impact. You're going to have a huge societal impact. And you're going to um, have to deal with perhaps increased unemployment. And you're going to to find costs in other places of the economy. Um, So in that sense, I think the answer is no. It's not a viable solution. And I think, unfortunately, that's that's the direction we're in. But it's a dangerous direction
0: and i mean i think the other problem is that um at least from sort of the general point of view aviation is seen as the polluter you know because um it's very easy visually when the engine is spinning you know um you know that pollution is coming out of the back of the engine um but i mean if you look at the figures um, we only give out. We, being the aviation industry, only give out 2.5 percent of global CO2. And then um, you look at something like the fashion industry; it's 13 percent of global CO2 emissions, and no one's talking about that. You know, um, it's it's uh, aviation. Really, I think the problem is that aviation is used as the scapegoat for. Um, For um, these things, and I thought it was interesting. At when I was in Brussels recently with Thomas, one of the things they were talking about was that the aviation industry is like um, trying the hardest um, to make itself green, um, doing like with new engines, new technologies, and. meanwhile you've got other industries such as um the car industry they mentioned um electrification of cars could be an awful lot further um than it is now but there's just no incentive um to bring that forward um and it's just it's really a shame that um the aviation industry is the one that really cares about this and yet it's still getting all of the,
1: the lambasted bad press. all over yeah. the place yeah
0: i completely Absolutely. agree
1: And IATA showed that, um, you know, the aviation industry has reduced its carbon footprint by 95% since 1990. You know, what other industry can claim that? None. And, you know, that's despite the fact that the number of flights and the demand has accelerated you know beyond all expectations over the last two decades so um, yeah I mean you know we are the bad guys but it's not necessarily a well-placed place for feeling bad about the environment because there's an awful lot going on that is good. so in terms of what instruments we do use to make flying greener or to maybe share the news that flying is becoming greener you know what is there out there Thomas do you do you have any uh, input on that one?
2: Yeah. um, I think flying, we need to look at the whole benefits. I mean, for example, aviation CO2 emissions outputs are comparable to the internet or the IT industry, all the data. Um, Nobody seems to, as you mentioned, nobody seems to be proposing, you know, a hundred and something pound tax on your cloud storage. When logically, (laughs) if you really cared about the environment, you should imply that. Um, the same with with your fashion. I mean, you can go to a cheap shop and buy a shirt for I don't know twenty pound, twenty euro, and where if are you, you shopping? Like I can get them for
0: five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: But if you really, really wanted to, if we we're serious about it, we would tax that. Um, you know, we put a hundred and two hundred percent tax on it, um, like we do, arguably with aviation. Um, as for where we can demonstrate that aviation is getting greener, I think the industry has historically largely failed in its messaging and has largely failed in its campaigns. I think we need to be honest about that. And I think we need to, to think of new solutions. I don't have those solutions, unfortunately. Um, I think the aviation industry personally, I think the aviation industry should look more to cooperation with the rail industry. I think as we demonstrated through our conversation that there's uh, obvious synergies and efficiencies uh, indeed, like Tom I'm uh, planning to do this for my, for my dissertation for my thesis and i'm looking forward to that but i think it's something that a lot of um airlines should look at seriously especially where the infrastructure exists or you know there's a there's a fundamental base for it um likewise i think con- consumers should be offered the opportunity to
0: offset um i mean that's an interesting point because um typically when i fly um i do offset my flights um but At the end of the day, I feel like this is just something that's making me feel better about flying because um, recently, uh, well, for example, I'm flying to, um, or I should be flying to Greece in May, hopefully, (laughs) Um, and I was looking at offsetting this um, because I'm actually flying a different airline out and back because I thought, why not um, get the experience? And um, I put the flights into, I think, BA's offset calculator, Lufthansa's offset calculator and Sunwings or Sun Express's... um, offset calculator and I think BA said that I owed about one euro to offset the carbon on such a flight. Lufthansa said something like uh, 30 euros and uh, Sun Express said 60 euros, um, something like that. I mean, they're not exact figures. Um, I don't remember the exact figures off the top of my head, but it's just why is there such variation for the same flight?
2: Yeah, I think carbon pricing is uh, an imperfect science. And it's certainly a contentious one. Um, I think the EU ETS, so the Emissions Trading Scheme, prices carbons around 25 euro, give or take 2 euro, depending on the market um, on that day. Um, Whereas other schemes would price that a lot lower, and some schemes would price that a lot higher. Um, And then it also looks at how you consider your carbon impact. So if you just take a look and take an average of the carbon emissions of a plane, uh, on a given route, and you just divide by the number of passengers, you might get X price. If you also consider business class versus economy class, if you consider hand luggage only versus you know carrying two bags of thirty-two kilos, then your 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 emissions might be um, might be different. Um, but I think this variation has also in carbon pricing uh, mechanisms has also helped create this certain suspicion from consumers on the validity. Of these uh, these schemes, and in that case, I'd recommend perhaps having something more uh, more normalised and more standardised.
1: I think standardisation is key. You know, people are getting mixed messages on this front, and uh, that's not going to help. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. just a thought to kind of wrap it up with, because I think we're we're just about done for time, although this has been absolutely fascinating. And I hope our, our listeners have found it interesting, too, to rummage around in uh, Thomas's brain about aviation tax. But the European Commission study into levying this 33 cents per litre tax on jet fuel, they said would reduce carbon emissions by 11%. There's something else going on in Europe, it's the single European sky, which would remove a lot of the inefficiencies of, um, air trans- of, of air traffic management. And if that was implemented fully, that itself would save 10% of CO2 emissions. So, what's better, you know, to to punish the flyer and the airline or to modernise something that's been crying out for it for such a long time? Guys, it's been great. So I, I think we're going to have to wrap it up there. And I, I hope everybody enjoyed today's podcast. If you do have any feedback, we would welcome your suggestions at podcast at For
0: more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye.